0: is our eating behavior modern eating culture is marked by fragmentation and an upending of tradition with more consumers adopting the snackification or grazing movement to fit in with their busy on-the-fly lifestyles according to mondelez internationals first state of snacking report more than half of americans believe snacking is the future of food average adult eats more snacks than meals these days while younger consumers see snacks as a meal replacement consumers snack for a mood boost or to stay energized or even just to pamper themselves many say snacking helps improve the quality of their lives bakery and snacks checks to a selection of players in the snack sector to find out what's driving the trend its challenges the opportunities that lie ahead, and possibly most importantly, during these strange times, how the coronavirus will affect the industry. So to introduce you, Adrian Ling is um, the Managing Director of Plamal Foods.
1: Yeah, good afternoon, Uh, I'm Managing Director of Plamal Foods. I've been in this business for over 30 years. we're a manufacturer that uh, mostly supplies into the uh, certified chocolate market, organic oats. And we're a well-known free-from manufacturer. So we produce a lot products that are dairy-free, gluten-free. Uh, we have a no-nut facility. Um, we supply a lot into the trade for other manufacturers. And we also have our own brand. And we sell uh, we sell worldwide.
0: Then I've got Mark Ahern, who is Commercial and Technical Manager for EMEA, for Univar Solutions. Hi, Mark.
2: Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Mark Ahern, uh, part of the food team at Univar Solutions, been there for the last 17 years in a, a mixture of commercial and technical roles, been in the industry for over 30 years, primarily focusing on starches into different applications and uh, yeah it's um, gonna be an interesting afternoon i think for all of us
0: <laughs> lovely and then reed doyle who is director of sales and business development at clear sun
3: yes um so at clear sun um, we make hemp extracts right so at the end of the day i lead sales for a company that really believes in the power of hemp as a functional ingredient in both food supplements beverages And we work with farmers across North America to leverage their skills to take uh, the hemp plant and and extract CBD and other cannabinoids out of it. And then we supply that uh, B2B to small and large customers around the globe.
0: I believe we've been joined by Mike. Hi, Joe. I'm Mike, and
4: I head up the Research and Insight Division at FMCG Gurus uh, with approximately 13 years analysing consumer actions and behaviours. So um, that includes analysing snacking trends across the the globe.
0: So to kick off, what is snackification as you see it and how do you see it evolving? Reid, would you like to kick us off?
3: Yeah, sure. I think, you know, I think the landscape really hasn't changed that much over the last couple of years in the sense that the trends are just, I think, gaining more momentum today. So whether it be storytelling and transparency, whether it be plant-based proteins, um, whether it be the circular economy, sustainability, regenerative ag, um, simpler eating, right, mood food. I think I think these are the things that we're going to start to see really take hold uh, uh, in the snacking trends in 2020 and beyond.
1: I, I think Rate is uh, is is absolutely true. I I, I think that. Uh... Uh, where we might have been uh, talking about Brexit, we obviously have a new uh, uh, um, thing to talk about, and, and, and that is COVID. And, of course, um, I don't think that this uh, will be a small event. Um, I think that if we're looking for the snacking trends, I think uh, uh, Mike's job, you know, I- I- insights into consumer behaviour will be invaluable because I believe that what will happen is um, that there'll be a massive shift in, um, in how people snack, um, and this is because um, what we do as an industry is we're, we're really meeting a, a need or a desire from the consumer. That may be a nutritious snack, an indulgent moment, a, a just an emotional moment, food on the go, or for whatever reason, and, and many of these social things will will be shifting quite a lot. Um, It may be that manufacturers decide to uh, change their marketing message for the same product or different products emerge to meet those needs. But I think it's going to be real reset in um, analyzing what the snacking industry is actually going to be. Um, providing, because quite clearly in six months' time, uh, there's going to be a completely different type of market, one to which at the moment we're probably not quite aware. The snacking market at the moment may be at home, it may be indulgent food, but it's certainly not food on the go. So we're going to see a big shift in in, uh, what people want, where people's working patterns may change. Uh, More people may be working from home, so there may be less food on the go. We don't know what those things are going to be. And I think we should all be very, very aware that we need to analyze what uh, um, people are looking for. Uh, All I can say is that people will obviously want to continue to snack. They will want to have uh, chocolate and and, and other type of products that they clearly enjoy. And it's how we present those products to the consumer over the next year is going to be uh, important in uh, the success or not of different brands.
0: And Mark, how do you see it?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I've, I've taken a step back and uh, just looked at how it's evolved over my life lifetime, and thinking back to Generation X, which I'm part of, where we had three meals a day and a snack was a Mars bar type product. Um, then, as you move on into the Millennials, that they started taking it from the chocolate bar to the protein bar, so moving from pure chocolate and indulgence to more health consciousness. And if I look at my children's age group, the Generation Zs, they're very much more grazing, moving away from the three meals a day into this, as we say, meal on the go, fitting into hectic lifestyles. And some facts have, we've found is that the Generation Z are now snacking three times a day, whereas the other old, population uh, groups are more at 1.9. So it's certainly a generational shift and a generational drive on this, and I think, uh, as we've all agreed, it's only going to get more diverse as time goes on.
0: And Mike, from a market researcher's point of view, what do you see?
4: Uh, yeah, well, I think um, I think it's a great point how um, a lot of the trends that we're seeing that are linear at the moment are being disrupted by COVID-19. So. Historically, what we've associated with snacking was something that was um, an occasional treat, where consumers perhaps didn't pay that much attention to nutritional intake. Um, as it was mentioned, you know, they might turn to a Mars bar or confectionery, etc. But what's happened is, as meal times have become more fragmented and the kind of concept of a structured mealtime occasion uh, has kind of ev- ev- evaporated, consumers are actually now turning to snacks for uh, nutritional value which is why we see sports nutrition products in supermarkets at the impulse part of the shop where traditionally they were chocolate bars Um that trend will continue in the long term now in the short term as we know there's a whole concept of uncertainty going on at the moment because of the uh, of the virus and what we'll see in the short term is probably people snacking more um, because they're they're at home they're feeling stressed they're seeking out moments of comfort Sometimes consumers will simply snack because food is in front of them. So I imagine over the next couple of months, snacking occasions will become uh, increasingly um, less healthy where consumers are motivated by comfort, moments of escape, escapism, wanting to check the pressures of daily life. But then in the aftermath, what will happen is consumers will have an increased focus on why they should be healthy, how the best way to reduce the chance of illness is to maximize health, And this will continue to um, evolve the snacking market away from kind of traditional offerings to high protein, low sugar alternatives where they're seen as guilt free, conveniently nutritious, and something that can act as a a genuine meal substitute.
0: Apart from COVID 19, who are today's biggest influencers or adopters of the snackification trend? Mike?
4: In terms of snacking, I'd say it's something very much driven by. uh, the, the, the younger demographics, the, the millennials, the Generation X's. Um, the reason for that is these consumers tend to get up earlier in the morning, uh, they tend to go to bed later, uh, they feel that they're working longer hours and have poor work life balances, uh, they don't take uh, proper breaks, and as a result of that, they they try and facilitate um, eating and drinking habits with, with other activities such as working. Including taking work home as opposed to um, putting time aside for for a structured meal, um, so they will be the people who are most likely to snack. Um, but then at the same time, these consumers are also becoming increasingly conscious about their long-term health. And what they'll do is they'll they'll look at their diets and they'll look and say, well, perhaps I don't have as much energy as I should, and that, is that because my my diet's like nutritional value? Um, I'm perhaps eating unhealthily because I'm reliant on convenience food and snacks. Am I? Am I monitoring my nutritional intake the best way that I can? And what is this going to do in the long term, away from just you know, the potential risk of obesity? What, what, what's it going to do in the long term to my, my heart health, my joint health, my cognitive health, etc.? So as such, these consumers are really uh, driving uh, the evolution of the snacking market away from snacks being seen as an occasional treat where it can be a moment of indulgence to products that kind of shape and improve their health.
1: I, I would totally agree there, and I, but I would go on to say that it's I think consumers will become more altruistic, and and they will be looking for um, not only their own health, but they'll also be looking to help the environment. So the the plastics issue will continue, um, environmental issues will continue, and and how products are actually sourced for these uh, for these products, I think that will become even more important.
3: Adrian, I agree. I think I think I think people are going to be looking for. Um, organizations structures movements that that, that that really speak to them personally and I think um, whether that be a for benefit corporation that, that that goes after a triple bottom line whether that be more plant-based uh, sustainable regenerative proteins that are being leveraged um, whether it be storytelling and transparency that really enables the consumer to connect at a human level and I think with with with, with where we're at today the connections that 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 we're making, and the importance of those friendships and close connections are becoming so paramount to our existence today relative to the pandemic that we're in that 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 these human connections um, um, are going to become much more important. And I think people being able to relate not just to brands, but to one another and to movements is going to be is going to be very key in this in this whole industry.
1: I totally agree. Yeah, I, you know, the connection between brands and and the people themselves is is going to be absolutely vital. And storytelling, I think, from from farm gate to the final product, is is going to be a key to a successful product.
2: It's evolving as a as a whole. It's an experience now that people are starting to buy into. So yeah, the story that comes with it, but also the eating sensation, the experience as they go through it, is it crispy is it crunchy is there a difference between something else that's on there so it's a whole experience rather than it being food for fuel this is an eating experience and as long as it's a pleasant one people will go back for more and more i think that's going to be a key driver going forward as well
4: i think with that as well just to just to add because i i completely agree with all that i think as snacking becomes more um more common It also becomes something as a form of self-expression with consumers wanting products that match their attitude and outlook on life. And that's a big reason as well for sports nutrition products becoming more popular as snacking options, Uh, particularly products that contain plant-based protein. Uh, Consumers want to demonstrate that they're leading an active lifestyle, that they're trying to keep themselves fit and healthy. But also with some of these products, it shows that they can demonstrate a commitment to sustainability, to ethical and environmentally responsible brands in a way that they can't with traditional snacking products. So I think that's also something as well where consumers can look at these products and say, I'm not just using this to, to enjoy your moments of indulgence or to satisfy hunger uh, in between main, main meals, but I can also actually turn to specific snacking products to um, as a reflection of who I actually am as an individual and how they match my attitude and outlook
1: I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. And I think it's where the uh, where people can actually source and purchase the products. I think there'll be more purchasing online, which will enable the smaller bands, evolving brands to actually um, uh, get a hold into the market where, where perhaps that, that will be to loss of the, the larger brands. Uh, you know, on the supermarket shelf, there will def- definitely be more disruptive brands coming in, doing the more plant based products, doing the more nutritionist side. I think that that is absolutely true.
2: I guess the only limiting step on this though is that how we recover from COVID and the impact on the economy and about how much available income is available from this. So that could be the one key driver on this where people will only have a certain amount to spend and they'll have to spend that wisely. So in some ways it could be good for the disruptor brands, but it could also be a barrier to entry because there'll be more niche. So that could have an impact from an economical point of view for them. I
1: think what you'll see is you'll you'll see a divergence. You'll see some that are going for a, a price-based product, and others that are looking for um, a uh, products that we've been talking about more nutritious or whatever. I think there will be this divergence greater than there has been before between price and uh, value. Totally agree. In, in response to the the whole COVID
4: issue and um, in the short term i think um obviously we, we just mentioned that about whether people will be able to afford to purchase such products i think in the short term you know you've got the issue of this is not just an economic issue it's also a pandemic issue so you know consumers i think will scale back a lot on their on their spending in the short term um especially for example when they realize that they can substitute um single serve snack products with something that they can Obtained from a fridge or the the cupboards that they bought as part of their main shop or something that they've had in lying around in the back of the drawers for a while. But then afterwards, I think once the the, the pandemic issue goes um, and this becomes an economic issue, then there is also that potential thing where you might see the the lipstick effect, which was experienced um, ten years ago with the Great Recession, where you know consumers recognise that they. Um, we'll have to cut down on the more expensive items like um, holidays and designer clothes and furniture and things like that. But actually, there was some uptake in, in kind of more premium snacking occasions because consumers were like, well, if I'm going to cut down on the big spending. I might be um, more willing to, to treat myself in the short term. And I think the, the kind of euphoria and happiness that perhaps people feel at the the sense of normality that returns um, when, when lockdowns are restricted again that's something that could also be a key driver when it comes to encouraging consumers to trade up on on snacks in the long term. So I think, whilst the, whilst the, the pandemic is ongoing, there'll certainly people be scaling back. But I would I would perhaps be more optimistic about the extent that consumers are willing to trade
3: up in the long term.
0: So what do you see the big buzzwords for the next couple of years?
3: I think we'll start to see people, you know, whether it be we can call it mood food. We can say people that don't want to be toasted, um, that don't necessarily want to feel, feel, feel high or or, or want low alcohol. Um, I think simpler eating. I think smarter. Um, I think the consumer base has gotten a lot smarter. And I think snacking will continue to get and become much smarter. Um, I think fresh and refrigerated. Um, at least here in the United States, you know, the periphery of the store is where is where all the action, right? The, the The inside of the store is what's referred to at Whole Foods as as the prison, right? So, you know, how do we really continue to 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 bring simpler, simpler foods, um, refrigerated foods, fresher foods? Um, that 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 speak to circularity from a packaging perspective that speak from a regenerative perspective that go beyond organic um, and and I think plant-based and, and, and transparency uh, are, are are all very much a part of our future
2: I totally agree with what Reed just said but I think it, it's also going further than that where historically we might have said example contains omega3 but it's the so what element of that? people are getting much looking for tangible benefits so they'll be looking what's the impact on brain function immune immune systems and things like that so if, it, if we claim there's an ingredient in there the so what what does that actually give them so what's the tangible benefit what am I going to get out of eating this particular snack what's it going to do for me so customers are becoming more educated and they want to they want the so what now rather than having just trendy words thrown at them for want of a better word
1: i think yeah, I i've uh, expressed a, uh, a a doubt into this uh, market that may emerge you know snacking and 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 with some immune hype about a certain product and and i think you know the wise would steer clear of that um but i, I think one of the big trends that, that has been happening is sharing sharing bags and sharing products and whilst that may seem a bit counterintuitive at the moment i do believe that the sharing pack will come back with vengeance because we, people will want to re-socialise and reconnect with people and reshare. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, sharing products uh, take a big boost uh, post-COVID.
4: I think there'll be um, two buzzwords that spring to mind, um, one short-term and more long-term. Uh, the first is tr- transparency. Um, trust is everything for consumers at the moment, um, especially when they're snacking on a, on, a, on a regular basis they they want to know the nutrients and the products they want to know the ingredients um, and they can often be skeptical of nutritional labeling thinking that perhaps products are positioned in a healthier way than perhaps they they actually are and consumers can accept if a product's not the healthiest if they're in control of the decision because that might be their decision to snack on it but they they don't like being misled about how how um nutritional a product is for example they might see a protein product that's positioned as incredibly healthy where actually okay it might have a high amount of protein but it also might have a high amount of sugar in which is kind of perhaps counterproductive for them and I think trust and transparency and how brands act will be absolutely critical and then I think in the long term the, the a key thing that will be massive for snacks is the whole concept of um, personalised nutrition we've seen in the last 10 years people have talked about protein, protein, protein and it's shown that that's a trend that's not going away in any way. But what's going to happen is um, the market's going to evolve and consumers are going to become sophisticated. So they're going to look at different types of protein sources. They're also going to look at different kinds of ingredients that they, that they need in their diets, which they might under-consume. And they're going to look for products that have additional benefits away from high-protein content, such as, products that contain probiotics or omega-3s or um, any other ingredient, like such as fiber, which is seen as offering a convenient health boost. And I think what you'll see is, rather than consumers looking at products simple because they think, well, actually, this product's high in protein, it's better for me. Um, They'll actually be making more considered purchasing habits where they'll look at a snack and say, okay, this is high in this ingredient, this ingredient, and this ingredient. And if I consume this, this will help with health problems A, B, and C, and as a result, the whole concepts of personalized nutrition will shape their snacking habits more.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I very much agree with what Mike's saying, and I think there's also going to be, you know, this whole thing of, of, of people really trying to understand how can they maximize not only their own health, but how can we maximize global health?
0: There's a lot of people say that snacking all day, every day, is snacks are full of fats, should sodium. What would you say to those people?
3: Um, I think the landscape's changing. I think I think back to what uh, to what Mark was saying relative to functional ingredients. That people, you know, it goes back to this kind of transparency and authenticity thing. Like, you know, okay, if I'm going to have omega threes. Um, you know, are we going to start to see protein trends take unexpected turns? Are people going to start talking about anchovies and sardines, right, and finding places for those kind of things? And, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a big macro trend that's going to happen, but I think we're going to continue to see protein trends take unexpected turns. I think we'll also see certain protein trends um, and certain movements want to try to keep proteins in their lane, <laughs> that plant proteins stay plant proteins and meat proteins stay meat proteins. We'll see.
2: I I think very much we're now looking sorry looking at synergies between ingredients now so like the different proteins and also what they actually bring into the recipe into a formulation so as an example in some protein bars they're high in protein but they're so dense and they go brittle very quickly that people can't eat them after a week but using combinations of these ingredients whether it's plant is it uh, uh, vegan proteins or dairy proteins, combinations are really where it's going to come to the fore. So people are gonna to have to be a little bit more imaginative about the ingredients they put in, using them as systems and um, looking forward to how they can get the best out of individual ingredients and being honest about what what each ingredient can do um, and utilizing those benefits and pulling pull it together as a system Rather than an individual ingredient basis.
0: Yeah,
1: I would say you know we're we're going to see and uh, more more vegan products. Um, there's no doubt the plant-based vegans start there at, with with additional um, ingredients. But I, I think it always comes back to uh, when putting product together. And we're talking about customers seeking out a product. I think we forget that. Um, actually the taste and enjoyment is is the important thing because customers may be seeking out a certain product with certain benefits. What we need them to be doing is buying it again the second and the third time. It's no good uh, consumer seeking a product. If it doesn't taste very nice, the enjoyment isn't there. They won't buy it again. And I think, you know, we must uh, we must always remember that the consumers want to enjoy a product. Um, and that is really the foremost with all the uh, other added benefits that may be perceived if they're not really enjoying it and we've seen a lot of brands come into the shelf and with a lot of hype um, but actually they slowly die away because when you taste them you think i don't know why anybody bought this the second time
0: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and i think that to expand on that further that a lot of products that are on the shelf are very very similar you look at a range of protein bars that are all very, very similar in terms of texture, mouthfeel, flavour. And it's the one that stands out in a positive way that's going to get that repeat business. So I think people are going to become a lot more sensitive and looking at what's the, the enjoyment they get out of this. So I think that's the key thing. So people are going to start looking at different textures, different mouthfeels, plus combining that with new distinctive flavors that are all going to come to the fore as an example if we look at um, walkers they've just launched a double crunch crisp as a as a point of differentiation so texture it's not just about the ingredient it's going to be about texture and flavor delivery that's going to be key as well as what the consistency of the product
3: and to echo what adrian was saying i think that is truly paramount to any repeat any repeat purchase is is if that taste is not there if that quality is not there and if you know coupled with the indulgence and sustainability and storytelling it's 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 just not going to deliver on the brand promise that i think consumers are looking for
0: how can bakery and snack producers seize the opportunities created by this trend
4: i am um, i think one of the, the biggest opportunities for for brands in the immediate future is especially when it comes to best few snacks we, we know that consumers' snacking habits are changing. We know that they want nutrition from their snacks. We know that they're switching the snacking products. But as mentioned with this, uh, as mentioned previously, even though consumers want to lead healthier lifestyles, there's a number of barriers that can often exist. And when it comes to high protein content, high protein snack products, consumers can often be concerned about the aftertaste. They can sometimes feel that it tastes a little bit bulky and a little bit chalky. And especially given that these products often command a premium price point um, compared to standard snacks, that's going to have massive implications on consumers' um, willingness to, to 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 purchase those products long term. Especially if they're doing it for like kind of general health and wellness issues, rather than to address a specific health point. Because consumers might say, "Okay, this this product's full of great ingredients, but if it doesn't taste good, that's going to have a massive impact on Um, their ability, on on their their willingness to to repurchase. And I think the key opportunity for brands is to to look for ways to address this whole concept of aftertaste that you sometimes get with high-protein snack bars.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think this is driven by ingredients that cross boundaries. So if you look at, we've talked about Pulse products, but manufacturers now are looking at ways of taking away that flavour that has always been an an impairment to their use and also if we look at things like seaweed that can be used to replace salt but then it also has a sustainability message it has some uh, rich in uh, minerals so iodine as an example which we need for cognitive behavior so you can start bringing these in so yes you're reducing the salts because they also have salt replacement characteristics but then they also have minerals that can then bring additional benefits. So suddenly there's a real big drive behind that because they're multifunctional ingredients that will tick many, many boxes and deliver on the quality that people are looking for.
3: And part of me wonders if that's almost kind of a new fortification, for lack of a better term, that we're actually seeing, right? I mean, kind of like fortified ingredients that we saw in cereals and different things like that back in the 80s and the late 70s. Um, You know, are we going to start to see that similar kind of fortification with active adaptogens and and, and, and functional ingredients, like i said, that, that really cross cross boundaries.
2: Yeah, I think sometimes it could be that it's the, the right ingredients at the wrong time. It came 20 years too early. I think right. this is where as the science catch up and people's tastes change, that they suddenly become the right ingredient at the right time. So they tried and tested the ingredients and uh, may well be coming to the top of the development cycle again.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. And we, we, we developed products with a, with a pea protein in 20 years ago and everybody said, why do you why are you using pea protein? And and so <laughs> it, it does ingredients do have have parts of their time. But I think products that, that have a clear message will succeed, whether they be an indulgent message or whether they be a a message of a healthier um, diet or, or give some extra added benefit. I think that there will be divergence there as well, because I think there is some confusion whether somebody is having an indulgent product or whether they're having something that may benefit them. And I'm not entirely clear that the two in people's perceptions go together. Um so, you know, I think we've all agreed that taste is going to be the key in any new ingredient and, or whether it provides it. You can have a wonderful new ingredient. If it doesn't taste any good in the end, it will fail. Well,
3: and quite frankly, that's a challenge we've had in the hemp industry, right, is, is that is that you have ingredients that are that are that are quite bitter. At the end of the day, they're essential oils of an ingredient, right? Essential oils for consumption are not the tastiest of things. At very small amounts, they make up flavors. That being said, you have certain brands that want to give their consumers a reason to believe, right? They want to have something that you can taste it so that they know it's there. Right, because a lot of people don't necessarily even feel the effects of CBD. It creates more of a homeostasis for their endocannabinoid system. So that being said, I, 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 it's 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 very interesting, at least on the hemp side, where you have certain emerging brands that uh, want to give their consumers a reason to believe and have, you know, kind of that that bitter taste that they, gives them that reason to believe. You know, juxtapose that on the other side of the spectrum, where you have larger CBG companies. That simply wanted to be a fortifier, for lack of a better term, right? And 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 I think that's one of the challenges that we have, at least in the industry, in the hub industry that I'm in, as a functional ingredient. Um, as a, you know, how do we navigate that? And 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 there's not a one-size-fits-all answer.
0: What are the ingredients that are going to be the new kids on the block?
1: Well, if I'm, I, I think... have to do some uh, some self-promotion, what we see is there's a huge amount of vegan and vegan chocolate. Uh, if, if I go by actually our trends and our order book, you know, that is a clear one that seems to be that uh, uh, is, is an absolute uh, direction that, that, that many are traveling in.
2: Corresponds with sorry. the ingredients industry as a whole. We see that is the biggest demand that we're getting vegan uh, across the board. And, and I guess the, the key challenge is also the other expectations of the consumer. Do they want clean label? Because that will limit them even further. So for, for every challenge that you see, there's probably two other challenges that go hand in hand with that. And it's about uh, understanding the whole system and what we can and can't do. So clean label is a big driver across the industry and they want vegan. So suddenly you're, you get that emulsification to get that aeration to get that flavor becomes very much more of a challenge and it's a systems approach rather than an ingredient approach that we have to take.
4: I would absolutely agree with uh, the vegan and vegetarian style products becoming more popular in the snacking market. I think that's, that's a major trend from consumers, even if they're not necessarily um, cutting down on an animal produce completely. But the, one, the other ingredient that I would say that um, – The demonstrated interest in recently is the whole um, dietary fiber. Um, We have a number of brands that ask us about this, and this seems to be growing in in popularity where fiber doesn't perhaps have the trendy image that um, it it does compared to protein at the moment, but it's actually an ingredient that consumers are far less likely to um, have a recommended daily amount. It's also something that can help with things such as energy and society enhancing, which is important for Key consumer needs, things like consumers feeling tired and fatigued throughout the day, um, and also um, looking to manage their waistlines, but not wanting those traditional products that they associate with compromise and sacrifice. So, I would say that dietary fibers are also something that the snacking market will see more of in
3: 2020 and beyond.
0: And read the CBD trend. How do you see that evolving?
3: Well, I think the CBD trend is going to evolve, will continue to evolve, I think, as, as consumers can even learn to pronounce cannabidiol and truly and, and really understand what CBD is. Um, but I think once we get past that hump, which 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 I believe is happening as we speak, we'll start to see the synergistic effects of other cannabinoids and other plant proteins or terpenes or flavors that can be integrated to help, to help amplify uh, the delivery of a particular product. Um, I think we'll start to see, much like we see in the recreational market here here in the United States, is we'll start to see um, uh, the efficacy of other cannabinoids, CBG, CBN. CBG promotes uh, you know, anti-inflammation, much like CBD does, but in it's faster acting. CBN is something that promotes sleep. So I think we'll start to see more 2-to-1, 3-to-1 ratios, um, but also combined with other functional ingredients that – that, that provide true function, whether it be ashwagandha or lion's mane or reishi or, or, or other kinds of, of, of adaptogens, that I think it's really going back kind of this old plant wisdom and kind of bringing that and Chinese medicine and things like that back to the forefront.
0: How is social media playing a role in the snackification trend? Adrian?
1: Oh, you'll have to ask a social media expert. I believe, which I am certainly not one. I mean, but we do know that uh, obviously the uh, social media as as go, goes red hot at the present time, and I think it will only develop further. the The spread of veganism has clearly been driven by social media and and the spread of it. That's that that is a very clear um, event that has happened over the last few years, and the power of social media. So um f- from the vegan point of view it it is a total success story and shows how powerful social media can be so if if snackification wants to uh, uh get any further it really has to enhance um the social media um outlets in 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 the complete embracing because uh you you really need that but but it's driven by micro trends within it and it's driven by individuals who who absolutely believe in in this sense, in, in veganism, I don't know how that would em- translate into any individual brand. Of course, with hemp, you have, have that opportunity that people can actually understand the product and the ingredients. So it's going to be probably based on ingredients and, and factual rather than branding. Um, so that the, the messages come through from, uh, again, Farmgate and people, how people feel and their social uh uh, standing to how they believe in how they want to interact with the world the environment and everything else so uh, it w- it will certainly be driven by social media rather than anything else
2: just thinking about uh, if you think about what's driving the market we said at the beginning is the the z generation the 18 24 year olds their primary route of communication now is social media so as they're getting stronger, that will only drive that message further. So it's going to become ever more critical. And the beauty of social media is quite succinct, it's quite short, it's quite sharp, it's quite hitty. And so it will—it's going to be the master moving forward, the main communication channel that people are going to be using.
3: Yeah, I also think from a from an advertising perspective, we'll see we'll see social media really um, uh, take take more of a hold uh uh, especially post-corona i think we're going to see people wanting to connect more that's 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 how um you know the snacking millennials really already connect today and 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 i don't think that's going to change uh anytime in the near future as a matter of fact it's it's going to continue to grow in a big way
4: and yeah absolutely i mean social media is because it's um, incredibly important to um the generation who are driving the snacking trends you know some of the people in Generation Z, for example, probably won't remember a time from teenage life upwards where they didn't have social media. And I think that it's become incredibly influential on in snacking, uh, but also like from a health perspective with ingredients. So we see that when consumers are looking for advice on, on nutrition, for example, they're moving away from traditional sources like um, doctors, for example, to, to looking at social media influencers and brand ambassadors online. Finding information from there, and that information can be delivered, uh, as as mentioned, sharply, succinctly, and consumers will often feel that the information is presented without bias as well. Um, so again, yes, yeah, so, social media will be will be huge for communicating um, information and snaps going forward.
0: To get back to coronavirus, what is your company's strategy to tackle the virus?
3: Um, I think right now it's about, you know, how do we democratize um, CBD, right? How do we make it affordable and accessible to consumers? Uh, I'm not going to make any any grand claims that it can boost antiviral activity of COVID or anything like that, but I think it really does have some very interesting uh, uh, properties that 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 may help boost some of those things. And And I think so what we're doing right now is that we're actually working with Oregon State University, as well as a number of doctors and researchers, to really better understand that um, because right now there is a pathway uh, and some openness relative to the federal government um, to really try to fast track things um, in a bigger way. So I think what what we're doing here in the short term is, is you know, we've really set ourselves up to be ready for this kind of, you know, <laughs> not necessarily be ready, but to be best prepared that we can financially um, and, and really, you know, Leaning in with our customers right now and and, and really thinking about the long term and trying to partner with them for the long term, not just from an ingredient and from a sustainability perspective, but really from a partnership perspective. And I think if, if, if we can, um, you know, weather this storm, which, which we, we really don't know how long it's going to be, uh, I think it will position us for, for success in the future.
0: Adrian, would you like to tell me what Plamel Foods is doing?
3: Well,
1: we uh, we currently have an absolutely full order, but we uh, we are obviously servicing the uh, surge that is going on as an ingredient. But uh, there are there are lots of it uh, is and uh, threats here, um, and one of the threats would be even to the uh, supply chain. So we're we're looking at uh, the possibility of COVID affecting uh, a lot of the workers in Africa. There's a lot of concern about supply chain issues there. Um, obviously the the farmers are uh, are poor it's known that all oh, they have the social issues and it's very concerning that they could be at the brunt and have very high death rates um, because of a very uh, uh, a poor health system. Um, so our concern goes to to those workers as well as our own here. Um, we're fortunate obviously uh, chocolate does tend to be in uh, in trend when whenever there is uh, moments where people want some little bit of indulgence. And I don't think chocolate will ever quite go out of uh, out of trend. Thankfully, we're uh, we're in the vegan chocolate market. So I think we combining the combining good winners here. But we are compl- concerned about supply trade uh, issues in the in the future and pricing is going to have have an effect. So uh, there, there are going to be shifts.
0: And Mark?
2: Yeah, they've taken a holistic approach on this, and it's the safeguarding of everybody. Looking at the the staff themselves, whoever can work from, uh, remotely is being is being supported to do so, so that they can maintain the service to all our clients and our customers to keep sure keep them producing, to give them all the reassurance that they need, and to and then also working very closely with our suppliers to keep the supply chains going give them as much uh, forewarning about demands and requirements so that they can factor that into their supply chain. So it's making sure that we look after everybody at every level and this has been driven from the top down. So personal safety is paramount, customer uh, supply is paramount, customer requirements are paramount. So it's just taking logical steps to protect everybody so that The consumers, their business, our business comes out of this on the other side in as strong a position as we can be without sacrifice, without the sacrifice of putting money before people, because people are everything. So that's been made very clear that the people are most important, as is is every business. And there will be a way of bringing everybody out of this that on the other side is in a healthy position as possible.
0: And Mike, there's obviously never been a more important time for information.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think
4: um, obviously the main um, focus on this is how consumers are readjusted their attitudes to health, both in the immediate term and the long term. We know that this is something that's going to have, um, you know, away from the economic issue of consumer spending, it's going to not just impact on consumers' physical health, but also their their mental well-being i imagine it's something that's causing a lot of feelings of stress anxiety uncertainty amongst some consumers. that will only intensify dependent on how long um, lockdown procedures go for um so the, the main issue is how is this affecting consumers from a from a health perspective and what we're seeing is a lot of brands that are kind of holding off on looking at things in the immediate term to see how that scales out um throughout throughout the rest of the year? For example, whilst the, 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 the immediate thought might be on, say, like addressing physical and mental well-being and ensuring that people stay safe and healthy, that how how what will be the issue in the long term when it comes to health and immunity? Will consumers forget about this in a couple of years and go back to their normal lifestyles? Or will this have a new focus on boosting the immunity, ensuring that... Uh, we're as fit as healthy as we can be to reduce the risk of disease and illness so it's going to be very interesting to see if this is something where um how, how this pans out in the long term does it does it significantly influence how consumers act towards their health or is it something that they're concerned about now but ultimately they have, um forgotten about in 12 months time and it won't significantly influence their purchasing
0: habits fantastic Right. I just wanted to offer the opportunity to anybody who wanted to say a final word.
1: I would like to uh, hope everybody stays safe, um, helps everybody else. And um, we all look after one another. I think we find a sense of community. um, And we have a duty to uh, put products onto the market that people can enjoy uh, and benefit from. And I hope we all go forward in, in, in that way. So, good luck, everybody, and stay safe.
0: Thank you.
3: yeah, I mean, to echo, I think what Adrian is saying is that um, we live in a brave new world, and I don't think uh, I think this is the new normal. And um, the question is 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 how do we adapt and evolve as brands as 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 humans um, uh, uh, as as a global community and And I think how do we answer to these unmet needs today relative to the stuff that uh mike was just was just speaking to relative to these unmet needs of people people are stressed out right and 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 how do we deliver products that 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 address these unmet needs and i think i think people need it more more than ever today absolutely
2: yeah i think um a new day is dawning the future is uncertain at the moment, but we will come out of this. And at the end of the day, people are still going to have to eat and it's up to us to supply them with, the, with their needs, their requirements, and to, to fit in with their new lifestyle as it develops. Uh, so it's exciting times and the future will be bright.